Welcome back to another market update brought to you by the team from Mikado.com.au. This week it will be myself talking about grains, Matt Dalgleish will be talking about livestock and Robert Herman will be talking about wool. It's been quite some time since I've been on one of these podcasts so I'm going to start off today with grains. It's been really sort of quite an interesting time since the last time I did one of these. A lot's been happening. Uh, most of the talk around the market has been around about coronavirus, which is clearly a, a big driver and a, one of the, uh, probably an epitome of a black swan event. And it's really driving everything and probably driving things in a negative fashion for everything but toilet roll. But on the grains front of things, if we sort of ignore that coronavirus impact, so there has been an element of risk off from speculators who have said, well, we don't want to be in any risky commodities, so we'll put our money into something safer, like gold, tinned beans, and toilet roll. But the wheat market has been falling, as, and it would have most likely fallen regardless of this uh, coronavirus, because there is more fundamental data coming out there. We are looking likely to be in another year of excess production. If we look locally in Australia, we've had some pretty substantial rainfall over the past couple of weeks, and we're really sort of set up well on the East Coast. Even this week, massive falls throughout large parts of New South Wales. And one of the theories we've been playing with for quite some time is that it's very expensive to restock animals in New South Wales. The ground's been fallowed for two years, so we think there'll be quite a substantially larger area devoted to crops this year, which, provided we get average rainfalls here on end, could lead to a pretty pretty healthy crop for next year, which is you know, beneficial for, for consumers who have been paying up for a lot, for instance, your pig producers and your chicken producers, but also even, even the, the producers themselves, because at the end of the day, yield is king. But looking at that, that's pulled the market down quite somewhat. And if we look at the ASX contract for next January, it reached its peak in early January, around about $360 a tonne. And now it's about $317 a tonne, so a fairly substantial fall. But when we look wider around the world, a lot of other major grain growing areas are looking in very good condition. And uh, we look at likes of Canada and Russia looking very good and uh, outstripping the the losses that we're potentially seeing in in Europe. So all in all, we're probably looking at a world that's potentially awash with wheat. And provided that sort of sentiment continues, we're liable to see prices remain relatively soft or to the softer side. And uh, yes, so but at the moment, prices are still... There's still plenty of opportunities there to lock in a price in that sort of $300 a tonne at port and above level. So the opportunities are still there for, for producers to uh, to get in there and, and use some price risk management tools to uh, protect from downside risk. So I'm going to pass you off to Matt, who's going to cover off on livestock. Thanks for that, Andrew. This week in livestock markets, we'll focus in on a couple of big records we've seen for both young cattle prices and uh, trade land prices. Um, the Eastern State Trade Land Indicator hit a brand new record this week, just yesterday, of 9.62 cents. If you cast your mind back to the most previous high, it was last season in July, 
where the um, eastern stage trade indicator hit 9.51. So it's just uh, 11 cents above that uh, previous high, but um, you've got to bear in mind that with regards to seasonality of land prices, we don't usually get the seasonal peaks until winter. We're only just a week into March um, and we're already at record highs. So it's going to be really interesting to see how high we can get when we come midwinter for trade lamb. And it's a similar story for the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator, also hitting new highs this week. Um, we've seen that reach 7.44 cents a kilo um, just yesterday. And if you go back to the last time we saw highs of these levels, it would be back in that 2016-17 rebuild phase when the restockers were very active. Uh, we know from our analysis on Mercado last week that the restockers are driving these young cattle markets as well, and particularly restockers from the north. Um, uh, the, the data we've shown, they're paying a 7% premium uh, above uh, the Eki for Eki style cattle, those northern restockers, compared to southern restockers that are paying just around a 1% premium. So really a northern phenomenon, and when we say northern here at Mercado for those restocker buyers, we're talking about those that are attending sale yards in Dubbo and to the north of Dubbo. Um, so, yeah, really interesting times also for uh, young cattle with prices up where they are. Uh, just turning quickly to um, issues around this COVID virus, there was some concern uh, for red meat exports that um, the COVID virus or the coronavirus impacting China was going to see a significant uh, issue with trade into China for red meat for February. Uh, the data for that just came out this week as well. It has shown a bit of a, a drop in um, in some of the flows. Certainly the bigger drop have been in lamb and mutton um, compared to beef, but there are drops. Um, we've got some analysis coming up on that this week on Mercado on Tuesday, so keep an eye out for that. But the quick summary is um, that for lamb, we've got a 28% drop from January figures to February, which sounds big, but don't forget those January figures were quite high. If you look at the February on February and, and compare it to the five-year trend, lamb flows to China are just 5% below. So realistically, uh, not a huge drop when you look at those longer-term um, trends, but still an impact uh, for corona impacting lamb markets. Mutton's a little bit more. Um, we had a 47% drop on mutton flows from January 2020 to February, so a big drop, but again, mutton was quite high uh, in those January flows, so it's probably not reflective uh, of a normal scenario. The size of that drop, if we compare mutton on to the five-year trend for February, it's about 26% under, so a little bit more impact on mutton markets. But um, broadly speaking, if you look at the overall um, markets for export sheep meat, so not just China, we're actually seeing um, the overall markets for both mutton and sheep uh, and lamb uh, above the, the trend um, when you're looking at the total flows. So um, China's impacted a little bit, but we have seen increases in um, the Middle East and increases in uh, North America in terms of, uh, of uh, demand volume. So um, generally speaking, the uh, pitch of sheep meat exports broadly is still looking pretty good for this year. Um, in the beef space, a 20% decline um, from the January numbers uh, in terms of beef exports. Uh, yeah, February 20% softer. But um, if you compare the February figures uh, for the five-year trend, we're actually still 46% higher than the five-year February trend. So, um, and that's the the flows into China. So yeah, there was a, a coronavirus impact, but again, um, not as significant as what you might expect given the the look of the disruption to the trade flow and, and all those um, Chinese that were trapped in their houses for uh, weeks and weeks. Um, it hasn't had as big an impact as what we might have thought. And um, the reports coming out of China is that um, 
industry starting to recover, the trade flows are starting to uh, increase again, um, and they're trying to get back on track. So if that's the case, then the virus is um, beginning to um, reduce its spread around China. Um, we could see those um, export figures rebound in the next few months or so. That's it for me. I'm going to pass across to Rob. Hopefully he can tell us about what's been going on this week in the uh, wool markets with the, um, with the trade resuming after the um, computer virus of last week. Thanks, Matt. It was great to see the market get back on track again after the uh, interruption of last week. Um, it was also a really pleasant result because uh, we know that there was a lot of extra wool offered. In fact, it was the biggest offering in one week since 2008. And the market digested it and by and large it uh, carried on pretty well. Towards the end of the week, on Thursday, I think the, the big supply probably just started to weigh a bit and the passing rate rose and the market just softened a little bit towards the end. But it was a great result and in fact it was the biggest clearance of wool. So the exporters bought the most amount of wool in one week since 2018. So all in all very good. Next week's another big offering and then after that we've really digested that one week of absence of selling and we're back on track for a more normal offering. So until next week, all the best for the wool market and over to you, Andrew. Thanks very much, Robert and Matt. That provides you with a fairly good, short, sharp summary of what is happening in the agricultural markets. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and family. Please like it, like it on iTunes, leave a, a rating. Uh, but yeah, most of all, hope you've enjoyed it. Have a good weekend. Wash your hands. Stay safe. And uh, have a good one. See you soon. Bye-bye.